Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Are you ready to get into the Word today? Because I believe that the Word of God is the answer, has the answers that we need for everything in life. I believe that God has given us His Word and it's comprehensive. It covers it all, right? I believe that it's our guidebook in life. I believe that the Word of God is living and it's breathing and it's active. It's not a document that gets stale. I think that the Word of God is something that jumps out at me that when I read it, I become encouraged. It has the power to change my mood just like that, the Word of God. I'm here to tell you this, that if you don't have an active Bible reading routine or schedule or plan, and maybe you say, well, I just don't understand the Bible. Don't give me that. The Bible tells us, and if you believe what the Bible says, the Bible tells us that Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to us to guide us into all truth. And so I believe that when I say, Holy Spirit, explain the Bible to me, that he does. Now, maybe I have to read it two or three times because I'm pretty thick-headed. But I believe that on the inside of me, built in, given to me by God, is a teacher that explains the Bible to me. Maybe you say, well, I just, I haven't really had time uh, to, to read the Bible like I should. Okay, we all use that excuse, but it's a lame one, and let me tell you why. Because I know what you do. You wake up in the morning, you pull out your phone, and you have like 15 minutes to look over Instagram every single morning, right? Could you have 15 minutes to read a chapter in the Bible? I just want you to be honest with yourself, Right? You find time to do what's important to you. Somebody told me one time that you will do whatever is most important. So is it most important? Is the word of God most important to you? I'm not saying that you have to spend 12 hours a day in the word of God, but what about 12 minutes? Could you spend 12 minutes a day? And then what would it do for your life? Does it have the power to change your perspective? Does it have the power to revolutionize your thinking? Does it have the power to give you a better day? I believe that it does. And so I'm challenging you. Spend that Instagram time, at least half of it, make it Bible time. Who has an iPhone? Raise your hand if you have an iPhone. Have you ever set a time limit on your social media? Like for the day, a time limit? You should try it. Because you can override it. I don't want you to be all, but what if I miss that picture? It like turns off. It would be okay, but um, like you should just try it. Just set a, a time limit, whatever you think is reasonable, because I, I, I bet this, I bet that whatever time you think is, re you're all, I bet I don't spend more than nine hours a day on it. I'm going to put nine hours. I bet you'll go over. Whatever it is, I, I only spend like 30 minutes a day, bet. All right? Put it on there because it's going to pop up and it's going to say, you're approaching your limit for the day. I know because I do it. And then it's going to pop up again and it's going to be a little hourglass and it's going to say, your time is up. Would you like to ignore it for the day or would you like to shut it off? Uh, ignore or you can put five more minutes. Just five more minutes, Mom. Just five more. I'm telling you, it's, like, it's really telling about your life. It's really telling. 
That's another thing. I, I don't even know where that came from today. You got to have time for Jesus, all right? Maybe you should set it on how much time you spend on the YouVersion app. All right, next. Um, today we're talking about they must hear. They must hear. Who is they? People outside of the walls of the church. They must hear. They must hear what we have. They must hear that there's an answer. They must hear that God is madly in love with them. Today we're going to open this up a little bit more, and Pastor Daniel has been teaching on it for the last two weeks. We're going to open it up a little bit more and, and talk about um, some things today, but I want to pray first, and then let's dive into the Word. When I pray, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, the teacher inside of you, to teach you today. Sound good? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word today. God, I thank you that it's spirit and life to me. I thank you that you have given me the Bible as my guidebook for life. And so today, as we open up your word, I ask that you reveal truth to us through the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. I ask you today that you use the words that I say, and they're not my words, but they're your words, so that no one's faith stands in the wisdom of a man, but it stands in the power of God. We give you thanks today in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. Each one of us is called to something bigger than we are doing right now. I promise you that. You're like, man, I'm doing some pretty big stuff. Good, I'm glad, but you're called to something bigger. You're called to something greater. There will never be a time in your life that there is not greater in front of you. Never. When I was starting out in ministry, this is 2002, about 2002. I, I was praying one day and I was, I was really just trying to focus on what does God want me to do in ministry? What is, what's my direction? What's my focus? And the only vision that I've ever seen in my entire life was at that time. And God showed me, I was standing on, and some of you have heard this before, but I haven't said it in a long time. I was standing on, on the edge of a cliff, and I looked, and there was a big gap in between me and where there was another wall or another mountain. And it was so high that I couldn't even see the top of it. And God said, I want you to go up there. And I'm like, hold on, God, because in the middle, in between me and that wall is a huge gap. And I know that I got ups for a white guy, but man, I don't think I can get there. Maybe if I ran real hard and had new shoes, I could get there, right? I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can jump that far. And dude, even if I jumped that far, I couldn't climb that wall. There is no way that I could climb up there. And God says to me, do you trust me to take you higher? I'm like, I do, dude, but if I jumped, then I'm going to like Wiley Coyote and the road run, I'm going to right? Do you trust me? Okay, God. All right. All right. All right. I ran as hard as I could and I jumped off. I don't know how far I made it, but it wasn't close. And then all of a sudden, a wind came up and it lifted me and it set me right up on top of that next cliff, that next wall, that next mountain. Thank you. I'm supposed to get used to not using one of these, but I'm going to. And so once I got up there, I get up on this cliff, and I'm like, yeah, God is awesome. He just took me, because I was like down there, and now I'm like up here, and like it was the coolest thing that I've ever experienced, and God's like, I want you to go up there. And I was like, hold on, dude, you just brought me to this place, I'm really cool where I'm at, because we've got this other little gap, and we've got this wall, and, and we've been through this, and I can't do this, and, and so we go through the whole spiel, and then I jump off, and the, the wind comes, and it takes me up to that next place, that next level. And once I'm in, and, and that begins to kind of wear off, then God's there and it's the same thing 
See, in and of my own strength, I could not reach the heights that he had for me. I had to let it go. I had to jump off. Because he's called me to something higher than I can do on my own. He's called me to a place that I can't go on my own, that I can't accomplish on my own. But once I'm helpless, Jesus said, those of you who lose your life for my sake will find it. If you lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. Because God has called you to higher. He has called you to greater. So I'm going to talk for a second, and not long, but I'm going to talk for a second my calling. Because God called me to a couple of things. He called me to pastor, and he called me in a general sense, and this is a pastoral calling, but he called me to help people. I know that's very broad, that's very general, but I have a, a passion for people. And morning in, in this little time that I, I don't talk about very often, and, but I, I feel like I have a, a liberty today, and, and that's, that's for a couple of reasons. But this, this kind of took a turn um, about eight years ago. Um, eight years ago, let, let's back up, um, about 10 or 11 years ago, um, I, I had a, a friend come and talk to me about running for a political office. And um, at that time, I, I wasn't even close. I mean, it, it's something that I, it was in the back of my mind and it had been for a very long time. Um, but it just, it was not time, it was not the office, it was, and it was one of the, the quickest no's that I've ever given, honestly. Um, and I hadn't thought too much about it again until there was a, an opening in the city um, in, in my district, in my ward. And um, so I called the guy who currently held the office, and, and we had known each other since high school, and I said, hey... I, I heard that you're not going to run uh, again. And he said, well, that's, that's true. Um, and I said, well, if you're not going to run, then I am. And um, then immediately, and, and this is because I, I felt like this is what God was, was calling me to do at this time in my life. So immediately he said, well, I just want to be straight up with you. He said, I've already talked to this other person about running in my spot, and he said that he's going to run, and so um, he said, I just want to be honest with you about it, and I said, okay, you know, I understand, so I get off the phone, and I'm like, well, that sucks, because this other person, I, at that point, I knew no one in town, and uh, very, very few, but this other person was very well connected, and uh, so I thought, you know what? No, God said to do it, and so that's what I'm going to do. And so I set out, and about, about two months in, um, this other guy called me, and he said, hey, let's have lunch. I said, okay. So we went and had lunch, and he said, you know, this isn't really a good time in my life right now for me to be doing this, and we're not really like, we hadn't filed yet. We're not hot and heavy in the race. He said, so I'm not going to run, and uh, I'm just going to put all my support behind you. I said, man, that's awesome. I'll take it. So I run that race. I ran against two other people. It was, a, it was very clean. Um, we all have respect for one another. In fact, um, one of the, the people that I beat in that very first race, I saw at McDonald's yesterday morning, and we stood and talked. And I mean, there's no hard feelings, nothing. It, it's, it's, very, it's a very good relationship. The other one I've worked with on a lot of projects. So I go into the city, very green, very naive, I don't know anything, and just trusting God that he told me that I needed to be there, and so I'm going to do whatever he told me to do. 
One of the things that I'm naive about is the fact that I just assumed, I guess, that everyone would just understand that this is something God said to do, and so I'm doing it. (laughs) And then I began to realize that people don't understand that, and they think they know what God wants for you. I think there's a very important lesson there that I had to learn the hard way that God's called you, he hasn't called somebody else, and he may or may not fill them in on his plan for you. So you just need to do you. You do you, boo, all right? (laughs) You do what God's called you to do. And he has no obligation to share that with anybody else. And so it came time, and I'm already talking too much about it, I think, but it came time, um, I, I was presented with another opportunity to run for another office. I felt like God told me to do it, and so I'm in the middle of this race, it's a bigger office, um, and I was only two years in at this time, and I'm running this race with everything I've got, and it, it's hard, and we are struggling, but we're fighting every single day, and We take a little getaway. Tiffany and I took a little getaway to Lubbock, and this is like three weeks before the election. We take this, no, it was longer than that. It was maybe a month. We take this getaway, and we're walking around the mall. It was one of those times, I don't know if you ever do this, but you just, you don't really have an agenda. You're just walking around, and so you just walk, you never do anything. You just walk around. We just walked around in circles in the Lubbock Mall for like two and a half hours, and then we left. We didn't go in any stores. We didn't buy anything. So we're walking around, and I said, you know, this is very strange because I'm running this race to win. I don't run to lose. It's very strange, but I don't feel like God ever told me I was going to win. He just told me to run. I've never really experienced that before. And, um, of course, when you tell other people, oh, no, no, you're going to... It's not like I, I thought, I'm going to lose this race, but I just, as I thought about it, I thought, you know, being obedient, he just said to run. That's all he said to do. And so I'm running. Well, on election day, um, the very first poll that came in was the absentee uh, and early voting. And uh, I got crushed in the absentee and early voting, like, bad. And um, so then... The polls start coming in from each location, and I'm a nervous wreck watching them, and I win the first one that comes in by a couple votes, and I win the second one that comes in, and then the third one, I think I lost it by one or two, but you got to remember, I was already way behind. So at the end of the night, I was about 47 votes um, down, so I, I lost by 47 votes, about, I can't remember exactly. And um, so that night, we're going out, and we're picking up our signs, and I was thinking, am I upset about this? Am I, I mean, it was a weird emotion, and um, I remembered that I wasn't ever promised that I'd win. I was told to run, and then I started thinking about all the people that I had met from knocking on their door. All the people that I had met, all the, the connections that I had made, all of the, the relationships, thank you, that I had begun to build. And I thought, you know what, God, maybe you wanted me to run because I wouldn't have met that person any other way. I can now say, being uh, six years removed from that, that... I don't regret one second of it because God's plan is so big. Uh, the second time that I ran for city council, I was, um, I didn't have any, any opponent, so, um, so that was an easy one. Um, I'm happy to say that um, that chapter in my life is done really soon. Um, and I think that's why I have the liberty to talk about it, because I've always said that I, I will not, I refuse to use the platform of God as a platform for personal gain. I won't do it. Um, 
but I've never stood up here and asked for a vote, and I never will, and I won't be running any more races, so fair enough, right? Easy enough. Um, the reason I say that is because we have seasons in our life that God moves us to and then he moves us from. And we have to know when those seasons come and those seasons go. But the reason that he called me to be involved in, in, in government on a deeper level was because of my ultimate purpose to help people. I think about, I think about Shane. Shane, I met you because I was in city council. And we've had, uh, what, probably six or seven years um, we've been friends. The, the doors that God opens up for you, they may seem bigger than you, but you need to go through them. You need to walk through them. You just need to trust him. So about seven years ago, God told me that it was time for me to fulfill a vision that he had given me back when Tiffany and I were dating to, uh, to have a business. And the opportunity was weird because this was coming out just less than a year before where we were so broke and upside down in things. This was maybe two years before that really we probably should have filed for bankruptcy. We were so behind. And, I mean, our head was above water, but not much. And I asked God, I said, God, and I remember I was standing right here, right? I don't know if you all notice I pace sometimes. Um, I was standing right here, and I was praying, and I stopped, and I said, God, Teach me how to not get in this situation again. God, teach me how to do what I need to do. God, show me. I was so broken inside because I had mismanaged what he had given me and I had hurt my family and, and I was so broken. I said, God, teach me. I couldn't help anybody else. Because I was a wreck, which was a lie of the enemy, by the way, and we'll get to that in a minute. And so I said, God, you've got to help me. God, I'm, I'm open. Please teach me. And he began to teach me. So when this opportunity opened up for us to buy our t-shirt shop, we're driving to Oklahoma to visit family, and, and I, I asked Tiffany, I said, hey, what if we... What if we bought uh, the t-shirt shop? And she said, we can't buy the t-shirt shop. We barely had enough money to put gas in the car to go to Tulsa right now. How can we buy a t-shirt shop? And I said, yeah, you're right. We don't have any money. So one of the things that I say all the time, and I have for a really long time, because somebody taught it to me um, early on in my adult life, was there's plenty of money. You just have to go out and get it. And I know that's a very simple phrase, and you can probably think of a million reasons why it doesn't work, but at its root, there's plenty of money. You just got to go get it. So she used my own words against me, and she said, so what if we found the money? Because there's plenty of money, right? Uh, I said, yeah, we don't have time. She goes, yeah, you're right. We don't have time. So we drive a little longer. We talk a little more, and to make this story that's too long, shorter, when we got home, we made a phone call to our friend and we said, hey, we're going to buy your shop. We still didn't have any money. We still didn't have any time. And uh, God opened up a way um, for us to do that. And we had everything paid off within a year. And um, it, it, was, it was incredible. Now, I could tell you the story. And um, today, I own, I own five businesses today. Um, and I can tell you story after story after story of how the hand of God has been there. And I can tell you stories over the last seven years of being an investor and a business owner that I have not consulted God, and it's been a mess for me. 
I can tell you about some messes. I can tell you about things that have made me lose a lot of money. And it's just because I didn't seek the counsel of the Lord like I should. But there are opportunities that are brought to me almost every day that I have to seek the counsel of God on. And I've learned and I've grown and to say that I'll never make a mistake again is foolish because I probably will, but it's not my intent. But the reason why God has, has called me to start business is to help people. And I'm not saying this, and, and like I said, I, I feel like I have a liberty today, and maybe you're going to take this and be upset about it, and I hope you don't. I really sincerely hope you don't, because this isn't a story about me, it's a story about God. We were in business for several years, and um, starting to do well, and things were making a profit, and, um, and uh, an organization in town, LifeHouse, um, had come and, and talked to us. If you don't know what LifeHouse is, it's an uh, inpatient drug and rehab um, facility, and it's, it's an incredible facility. I was fortunate to be able to be on, on, a, um, on a task force when that was just beginning, and um, to see, I, I still talk about that day, and Mary Gardwood was there too, I still talk about that day at City Hall when the Holy Spirit ripped open the roof of City Hall and just poured out in the planning room or in the council chambers at City Hall. And oh my gosh, I have never felt the Spirit of God so strong in my life. And it's because it was individuals that were coming together to help people and not looking to government for help. They were looking to God for help. And I was just fortunate enough to be there because the mayor had asked me to be there. And we've got some really great things going on in our city. But as LifeHouse began, they're doing a fundraising dinner. And um, they called me and they said, hey, do you want to buy a, a table um, for the fundraising dinner? And it was expensive. I'm not going to talk about how much it was, but it, especially for me at that time, I was like, oh, my gosh. Yes, I want to buy a table. Yes, I do. I would love to buy a table. I'm going to be selling Krispy Kreme donuts so I can buy a table at the LifeHouse dinner. So we scraped together, and, and, and we had businesses that were profiting, but I, I'm, if you are in business or you've ever been in it, you know just because it looks like you're doing good doesn't mean you have a lot of money in your pocket. So we scraped together money. We bought a table at this LifeHouse dinner, and um, man, it was fun, but we go, and they have like all these auctions and stuff, and I'm like, I'm just glad the food was free. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't free. You bought the table, right? But I'm glad you didn't have to pay extra. So the next year, and Tiffany and I talked, and we said, you know what? I want to be, because I know that 100% goes to that organization, and I love it so much, and I think they're doing so well. I said, you know what? I want to, um, I want to be able to, to bid on things in the auction. I want to get to that point where I'm able to do that stuff. So the next year they called me and they said, hey, you want to buy a table for the LifeHouse dinner again? I'm like, yes, I do. No hesitation. Yeah, because I could afford it. And they go, oh, and, uh, and we doubled the price for this year. Can I buy half a table at the LifeHouse dinner? So we scrape together. We make sure we have enough. We're good. We buy the table. We go. Everybody's bidding on auctions. We're like, Man, that's cool. I'll just have a water. Oh, the tea is free. No, 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 it's cool. I'll just have a water. So we do this for a couple of years. This year at the LifeHouse dinner, we bid on some stuff. We were able to, to get some things. Hayden and Dylan were there with us, and, and Helica was there with us. We were able to bid on some things. We've got goals beyond that, but we're able to help people. We're able to reach out to people. I'm not saying that to toot my horn. What I'm saying is I start where everybody starts. That we're all called to something bigger, but we have to go. We have to start. We have to do something. God has called us to greater. You know, it's really funny this year. 
Maybe I shouldn't tell this story. Um, so we, we buy the table, right? And we're like all good on the table. And we're, we're pumped, right? Because this isn't a struggle for us this year. Now, we couldn't do everything we wanted to do, but we were able to do more than we've ever done before. And we're pumped about it. So we finished the night. And we had been on some items. And we win the items. And, and um, we go up to pay. And we write a check for it and stuff. And I get a call a couple days later. They're like, uh, you're... Your check was returned. <laughs> I'm like, and I knew there was money. So anyway, I was just like, fine, whatever. I mean, really, is this how it's going to be? <laughs> what happened was we wrote it out of the wrong account. So anyway, it was cool. I went and just took him another check, and all was well with the world. But I was like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> I was so excited, and then he calls, bro. You can't be writing faith checks here, all right? You got to be, you got to have money to back it up. I swear, I'll give you cash, Bitcoin, I don't know what, any, whatever it is. God's called me to influence my surroundings and to help people. I don't know what your specific calling is, but it's bigger than you. You ready for some fire today? See, the thing that you use as an excuse right now as to why you're not fulfilling your vision, God knew of that thing whenever he called you. And he didn't see it as a big deal. He still called you. So you're saying, I can't because of this, and I can't because of that, and I'm not ready but he's saying, no, 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 I called you. I just want you to step out and to start. I just want you to go. I just want you to do it wherever you have to start. Because I've called you to something bigger. My job as, as Christian, my job as follower of Jesus is to be an imitator of him. My job as a Christian is to reach out to the world around me in the way that God has called me to do it. And I have to start somewhere. And so I just start, and I start chipping away. And even if people don't understand it, and even if people don't fathom what you're doing, I know that I'm doing what my God has called me to do. And if I'm doing what he's called me to do, he's going to elevate me to that place. It's not about me. It's never been about me. If it was about me, I'd be broke. I'd be broken. I'd be a mess. I can tell you what, if it was about me, I would be a broke, depressed individual right now. Because those, honestly, those are my natural tendencies. If you want me to be honest with you, those are my natural tendencies. I would have pushed everybody away from me. I would have tried to go on my own. And when I didn't make it, I would sit in my house thinking about how I'm a failure all the time. But that's not what God's called me to be. God's called me to rise above that because God's called us to be great. So my job as a pastor is to support your calling because God has called you. One thing that's great, and we were talking the other night at the dinner table with uh, a few people that are in the church, and we were talking about some things, and I said, you know, what God called Pastor David Emi in Sand Springs, Oklahoma to do was to go to Sand Springs, Oklahoma to raise up a New Testament church and from there touch the world. And somewhere along the line, God called my dad, Pastor Daniel, to pastor a church in Carlsbad, New Mexico, but he didn't know how, and so he went to help Pastor David Emi fulfill his vision, and Pastor David instilled in him what he needed to come to Carlsbad and fulfill this vision. And then, when I was at Oral Roberts University, failing, literally flunking out of college, God got a hold of me one day, and he told me that the path I was on was not the path that he had for me, that I needed to come back to Carlsbad and to help my dad fulfill his vision. And then he began to instill in me my own vision. Because God works in layers, and he has brought every one of you here to help us accomplish this vision so that we can help you accomplish your vision, and we're still accomplishing Pastor David Emi's vision. 
Because from Sand Springs, Oklahoma, we're touching the world. Carlsbad, New Mexico, we have a church in Guatemala today. Amen? We're touching the world. We have a Bible school that we work very closely with in the Philippines because we're touching the world. We've got contacts that we're working on projects with in many other places because we're touching the world and we're fulfilling vision. What's your vision? What do you need me to help you with? Because your vision may not be my vision, but my vision is to help you. Does that make sense? That's my job as pastor, to be support. I've, I've heard some people sometimes blame the church for not having, not getting opportunity, and I mean this church, and I mean other church or whatever, not having opportunities to fulfill their vision. Can I say this as plain as I can say it? Whether you're watching online, and I believe this, and God, God the power of God fell in my living room last night, and I texted Jasmine, well, she didn't answer my text because that's what she does. There she is. Um, but... Anyway, so I texted Jasmine. I said, I think I'm going to do a rhema run in my living room right now. The power of God fell in my living room, but God spoke to me today, and he said, there are people that are watching you online that are not fulfilling their vision. I want you to hear it online. There are people that are watching that are not fulfilling their vision because they feel like the church has somehow not enabled them to do it. But I'm here to tell you as plain as I can possibly say it to all of you in here and everybody watching online that my job is to fulfill, to help you fulfill your vision. And if, if you think otherwise, come and talk to me. Come and talk, because that's what I want more than anything is to help you fulfill your vision. See, the, the, the scripture, my gosh, it's 11.30 and I haven't even got to point one yet. The scripture has laid out to us so plainly and so clearly that the job of the ministry gifts, we call them the five-fold ministry gifts, is to equip you for the work of ministry. It never says that it's my job to do the work of ministry. Do you want to know why I didn't go to Fallapalooza yesterday? I'm going to be completely, it's not because I couldn't. Sometimes I don't go to things because I can't. I can't be everywhere at once. Yesterday, it's not because I couldn't. I didn't go because I needed you to fulfill the work of ministry. And if I'm there, then you're going to look to me, but you don't need to look to me. You don't need to look to me. Every time Kay said, we need this, we need that, that's my job. And I empowered her to do what she needed to do to bring together the wonderful people of Word of Life to assist in something that's a community project. And I didn't have to have my hands in the middle of it because you're doing the work of the ministry. My job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. So let's talk so that you can start fulfilling your purpose. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse number one, point one. Ephesians chapter five. Verse one, it says, therefore be imitators of God. If you have your phone or whatever, look this up. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice unto God, a sweet-smelling aroma. I want to break down a couple of things right there. It says, be imitators of God the way we do this as we walk in love as Christ walked in love. Verse 3, it says, but fornication and uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not be even named among you as it is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness or foolish talking or coarse jesting, jesting, sorry, jesting, which are not fitting, but rather give thanks. It says, for you know this, that no fornicator or unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, I found this very interesting because if we were to make a list of sins, 
which I think is foolish to do. But if we were to make a list of sins, right? Mine would be this long, apparently. I don't know. If we were to make a list of sins, I don't know. Then maybe you include these sins, maybe you don't. But I believe this, that God views sin as sin. And if we're supposed to compare Scripture with Scripture to understand what the Scripture is trying to tell us, then if God views all sin equally, why would he mention in here fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness? He mentions three things that we should not do. Why would he mention just those? Why would he omit, like, murder, right? Or, I mean, name it. Why would he omit bearing false witness, lying, right? Why would he... Why would he omit that? I believe this, that it's not so much that he's talking about these things. It's not so much that he's saying, don't do one, two, and three, and if you don't do those things, then you're going to inherit the kingdom. I believe that what he's trying to say here is that anything that pulls us away from purpose is clouding what God is doing in our life. Anything that we're doing, it makes it really hard for you to walk in love towards somebody who you're jealous of. It makes it really hard for you to walk in love. It's not as much of the action as it's the distraction from your purpose. You can't walk in love if you're idolizing something. You can't walk in love... I believe this, that instead of those other things being on our tongue, it's not so much about those other things, it's that we omit giving thanks. If we're not giving thanks, then we're missing the boat, and we're not going to stay lined up with the purpose that God has for us. Should we be doing these things? No. But it's not so much about numbers one, two, and three as it is about this attitude and state of mind that if you are given to these things, then you are not given to walking in love and you are not an imitator of Christ. Then it says in verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words. For these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Don't be partakers with them. Doesn't mean we can't be around it. Doesn't mean it can't be in the vicinity. I'm not saying that you have to cut off relationships because somebody's doing something that they shouldn't. But what I'm saying is don't be a partaker. Don't have fellowship, as one translation says. It says, why? Because you were once in darkness, but now you're in light. It says, you are light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. Verse 10, it says, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 11, have no fellowship, very important, with the unfruitful works. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works. In other words, I'm only going to give myself to things that produce fruit in me. I'm only going to give myself to things that make me further my purpose. Those are the things that I'm going to give myself to. Then it goes on. He says, don't give yourself to unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So sometimes in the church, we've taken that as, well, if people are doing things wrong, we need to expose it. It's not what it says. It says, don't give yourself to unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. I don't believe he's talking about what we do for other people. He's talking about for us. Expose them in your life. I believe that we need to be wearing our testimony on our sleeve. If we don't, we're going to become comfortable with the place that we used to be. Don't be comfortable with the place you used to be. I want you to grow from the place that you used to be. Stop being comfortable. I don't want you to, to become ho-hum about what God has saved you from, but you wear it on your sleeve. You wear it like a badge of honor that I used to be lost, but now I'm found. I used to be blind, but now I see. I used to be broken, and now I'm whole, but God has changed me. God has transformed me, and that's a message that the rest of this world needs to hear. Then he says, awake you who sleep, 
Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Those words right there literally mean get up from the place that you have been complacent and move forward with your purpose. We become complacent because we suppress the things that God has brought us from. We become complacent because we give ourselves to the things that broke us in the first place. He says, awake from that place where you've been dormant. Awake from that place where you're ho-hum about your salvation. Arise from the dead. Let Christ give you light. Then he says, see that you walk circumspectly. That word means carefully. That word means on purpose. See that you walk every single day on purpose. Not as fools, but as wise. And then he says, redeeming the time. And this is where we're going to be in the pocket for about the next 10 minutes. Redeeming the time. It's time that we start taking time back. Because I believe that there's too much time that we've wasted in condemnation about the things we've done in our past. There's too much time that we've wasted because we felt like we're not qualified. There's too much time that we've wasted because we feel like we're inadequate. It's time that we start taking back the time and do something for the kingdom of God. Excuses are over. It's time to do it. It's time to grow. It's time to redeem the time. And it says, because the days are evil. That word evil carries the message of fleshly or earthly or natural. I take it as this. We need to redeem the time because the days are so focused on the flesh, but you need to be focused on the spirit. You wake up every single day and you're hit in the face immediately. Your kids run in the bedroom. Immediately, you are faced with the flesh. Immediately. You wake up, you've already got five text messages from your boss. You wake up, there's already a problem at work. And your day got evil fast. You need to redeem some time because you just spent your entire day focused on the flesh. You just spent your entire day wasting time. I'm not saying those things aren't important. Please don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying is that you have a deeper calling, you have a purpose, and the excuses need to go. He says, don't be, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Verse 17, therefore don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Every single day we need to understand what the will of the Lord is. Not, the, the will of the Lord in 1 Peter 3, 7 is, he says that I am not willing that anyone perish, but that all come to repentance. So if the will of the Lord is that none perish, then I need to understand what the will of the Lord is, and every single day I need to strive for the will of the Lord, that none perish and that all come to repentance. I don't have time for the flesh because I've got other things to do. I've got kingdom business that I need to focus on. So let's move on. I want to tell a story, and I'll close with this. Point two. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple in the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now, I did a little bit of research on this ninth hour because anytime you see something like that in the scripture, it means something. It's there for a reason. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't even know what the ninth hour was. So when I looked it up, it said the ninth hour was about three o'clock. Now, this is the time that their day was winding down. And traditionally, Their culture took time to pray three times a day, in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. So this was the ninth hour, this was the evening, okay? So this would be like our five o'clock somewhere, right? So some of y'all laughed, and some of y'all were like, I don't know if I'm supposed to laugh or not, and some of y'all weren't listening, so it's okay to laugh. This was the ninth hour. Why is it important? And this is, this is interesting right here. Why is it important that they went to pray in the ninth hour? Because their day got evil. Right? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. They go to pray in the ninth hour because at the end of the day, you're like, oh, man, that day got evil real fast. How do we regroup from that? In the ninth hour, we need to go pray. 
I think there's something that we can take from this. When we talk a lot about starting your day with prayer, what about ending your day with prayer? What about praying and saying, all right, God, there were some good things and there were some bad things that happened today. You remember that time that I was jamming to Caleb in the car and I was like all over it, right? And then you remember that dude that pulled out in front of me? You remember what I said when he pulled out in front of me? Yeah, it was like positive, encouraging, and then it's like, I'm going to positively punch you in your face, right? The days got evil. So Peter and John, they went together in the ninth hour to pray. Now there was a certain lame man from his mother's womb. He was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate. Say daily. Say it again, daily. They laid him, they laid him daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Again, I thought, well, what does that mean? If it's called beautiful, why does it mention what the, I don't care what the gate's called. It's called chain link, right? I mean, I don't know. This one was not that. It was beautiful, right? This one was called beautiful. When I looked up the word beautiful, it says, it's time to flourish. Isn't that interesting? The definition of this gate is it's time to flourish. So this guy was laid there every day at the place where it was his time to fulfill his God-given destiny, yet he just laid there every day. And what did he do? He begged for alms. He begged for money. Every single day, he begged for somebody to fulfill his needs. He begged for somebody to take him to the gate. He begged for somebody to, to put a little money in his cup. He begged for somebody to make the deficiencies that he had in his life come to fruition so that he could move past, but he was not understanding what the will of God was for his life. And I know this because of what goes on right here. He says, he asked for alms of all who entered the temple, but then he saw Peter and John about to go in the temple, and he asked them for alms, just like he did everybody every single day. He said, I need something from you. I can't accomplish what God's called me to accomplish because I've got this condition, and I don't have any money, and if nobody brings me to the gate, I don't even get any money. It was a reason. It was an excuse every single day. How many of us go every single day to the place of our purpose, but then we don't ever move past it because we always have an excuse, because we always have a reason? How many of us go and lay at beautiful every single day waiting for somebody to take us over the hump? That's what this guy was doing. He said he fixed his eyes on John and Peter. He said, look at us. And so they gave him their attention. He looked at him expecting to receive something. Now, this is the best thing that this guy has done all day, maybe even his whole life. He looked at them expecting to receive something. Maybe you go to the place of your purpose every day. Maybe you go to the brink every single day, and you just can't jump off of that cliff. And so what did God do for this guy? He sent somebody who had an answer. And so this guy, he looked at them expecting to receive something. And so when Peter and John looked at him, they said, silver and gold, I don't have any of that. But what I have, I'm going to give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. He expected to receive something from them. He was at the brink of his purpose Every single day, and he was asking for the wrong thing. He even looked at them, and he asked them for money. He asked them for the wrong thing. It was a temporary fix to an eternal problem that he needed to just get up and go, but he felt like he couldn't. But he looked at them and expected to receive something. See, and God knew that. And so he looked at Peter and John. He said, I want you to go in this hour right now and go into this gate and I want you to reach out to that guy who you've seen a lot. I know you have because he's there every day. And you go to the temple. But today's different. He's expecting to receive something. 
And so they looked at him, and they said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And then what did they do? This is a little detail, but I think it's huge. Because if you've laid there your entire life, and you've never done anything, but you got up the courage to expect God to do something, what did Peter and John do? They reached down their hands, and they grabbed the guy, and they pulled him up. So not only did this guy expect to receive something, and Peter and John, through the power of God, said, you're healed, get up and walk. Here, I'm going to help you get up. That's what God does with us. He says, you're going to this place every single day. You're not fulfilling your purpose. But then there's that day where you get up the courage and you say, I'm going to go. I'm ready. I'm not going to stay here anymore. I'm not going to beg for alms anymore. I'm not going to just sit here and wait on somebody else. I'm going to be ready. God sends us an answer and then he reaches out and he helps us get started. Amen? Praise God. He helps them get started. He took him by the hand, he lifted him up, immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And so leaping up, he stood and he walked, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. So important that he entered in walking and leaping and praising God. When God helps you move past that place of being dormant and to the place of purpose, you go in walking and leaping and praising God because he has filled you with his joy. He has filled you with his strength. And those dry places and those weak places now are strong. And you got to let everybody know what he has done in your life. So at that point... Everybody gathers around. Peter stands up. He begins to preach. And if you want to read something that's going to get you fired up, read from verse 13 to the end of the chapter. Peter preached the most beautiful message of Jesus. And 2,000 people came to Christ that day because this guy went walking and leaping. He could have just gotten up, went home, but he didn't. He said, no, God's done something in me, and it may not be pretty. I bet it was the ugliest dance you have ever seen, because this guy's never danced in his life, right? I mean, he was not dancing with the stars, I guarantee you that. I love this. When Peter stood up, he said, you're all looking at me like this was me, but it wasn't me, but let me tell you about who it was. Amen? Let me tell you about who it was. Guys, we have used the excuse, but I don't have money. I can't do it because I don't have money. As soon as I get money, I'm going to do what God told me to do. We've used this excuse. Well, I don't have experience. I don't have the experience that I need. We've used this. Well, well I, I don't have a husband yet. As soon as I get a husband, I'm going to be able to go and right do what, what God's called. I don't have a wife yet. You said that we need a helpmate. As soon as I get that, as soon as I go and find my little e-harmony relationship or whatever, then I'm going to be ready, right? God, I don't have a job that gives me the freedom to do what I need to do, but when you provide me with another job, then I'm going to step out. Excuse after excuse. We've said, God, I don't have time. With all, this, with all this stuff that my kids got going on, I don't got time. But as soon as you take them out of my house, I'm going to be ready. Right? Dude, they're in first grade. My past. I can't, God, because of my past. My past keeps coming up. I can't because of my past. People just aren't going to look at me right. You don't know what I've done. There's a lot of people that know that story. There's a lot of people that know my story, and I, 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 I can't. God, I can't because of my sins. God, I can't because I was abused. God, I can't. I was abused as a kid, and I just can't get over it. God, I can't. And we come up with all these reasons and all these excuses. Why we can't, we can't, we can't. And what we don't understand is that our healing is in the fact that we do. Our healing is in the fact that we step out. Your healing is in your vulnerability. 
When you say, God, it's not me, it can't be me, you know it can't be me because have you seen my past? But you wear that. And you're not complacent. You wear that. And you say, yeah, sure, I'm broken and I've had my share of mess-ups. You say, yeah, for 20-plus years, I hadn't been able to get over the fact that I had an uncle that abused me when I was a kid. And I harbored that in my life. But then I decided one day to give that to God and say, God, take that from me. And then every single day was a little better than the last. And am I perfect? No, because there's still times that I cry myself to sleep. And I'm laying out a scenario for you. I'm trying to make you understand that it's in our honesty. It's in our brokenness. It's in our vulnerability where we say, God, I can't. He says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You can. You step out. You step out. It's time to redeem the time. And the time is now. The time is now. Your first step. I don't know what he's called you to do individually. Let's set up a time to talk. But collectively, he's called this church to be an outreach church. And you're here for a reason. And we've made it really easy on you. All you got to do is pick up one of those boxes that are out there and then just give it to somebody. You're like, well, how do I do that? It's going to be awkward. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes it's super awkward. I don't know. How are you going to do it? You're probably going to mess it up. You want me to be honest? You're not going to know what to say. You're going to feel weird. You know what's going to happen? When you step out in faith and you say, God, I'm going to do this, and it may seem really weird, but I just, I know it's that person. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm just going to do it. He's going to take your offering. He's going to perfect it. He's going to take your offering. He perfects it. No excuses. Tired of the excuses. I'm tired of the excuses for me. I'm tired of the excuses for you. I'm tired of staying in the same place because we don't feel like we can. It's time to redeem the time. There's too much time that's been taken from us. Why do we do it? And this is the title of my message. I hadn't said it one time. You know why we do it? Because they're worth it. They're worth it. They're worth me being uncomfortable. The world out there is worth it. Let's go reach the world this week. Let's start with our city. Can we do it? Are you in? Are you with me? When we come back next week, I want you to have a testimony. There's no small testimonies. There's no big testimonies. They're all testimonies. I want you to have a testimony next week of what God did in you, in somebody else, whatever it is. We're going to talk about what God did this week. This is a good week. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you've chosen us. And we can do it because you empower us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Everybody's head bowed, eyes closed. We do this out of respect for one another. This isn't for God. It's for you. God can hear you whether your eyes are open or closed. But for the sake of today, I'd ask that you all close your eyes and bow your head. I believe that Jesus is the way to heaven. I believe that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. Now, I don't say that to say you can get in and you can get in and you can't get in. I say that because I believe it's the truth and I want everybody to go. Here's the gospel, the good news of Jesus in the simplest way that I can say it. God sent his only son who was Jesus to this earth because we were broken. Broken. 
and we needed him. See, because of our actions, we had fallen away from God. And so Jesus walked on this earth and he never committed one sin. He never did anything wrong. But the scripture tells us that any time that there's sin, a price has to be paid for that sin and it's death. But what Jesus did is he died and paid that price of death for sin even though he didn't have any. And what his sacrifice did was it satisfied the debt that you and I owed for our sin. And then Jesus said, it is finished when he was on the cross. So when that sacrifice was paid, it was done. No more sacrifice had to be paid. And then God told us through his word, through the scripture, that if we say with our mouth that Jesus, the one who paid that price, is our Lord, and if we believe in our heart that he really did pay that price, and that he rose again, and he died on the cross and rose again, that we'll be saved. So today, if that's you, and you've never received Jesus, I'm begging you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to ask everybody in here, and if you're watching online, pray it with us. We're supporting those who haven't prayed it. We stand together united today. There's not one that's better than another. We all need Jesus. So say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me. And I believe you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me and change me. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love with you.